Crossing family. It is so good to be here with you this weekend. I have missed you. It is one of my great joys to be one of the pastors at this church as we try to make this the hardest place on planet Earth to get to hell from. I want to welcome you joining from all of our different locations online and inside. And I also want to welcome those of you who are joining us for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time. Let me encourage you to use the QR code on the seat in front of you at any point in time during the service so you can engage with our church family in a variety of ways. And on behalf of all the people who call The Crossing home, I want you to know that we love you and that we are in your corner. Life gets complicated, would you agree? And life can be hard at times, would you agree? But I want you to hear this promise, we do not have to do it alone. Today we are finishing up a sermon series called Weeds in My Garden. When we started this sermon series, I was a little nervous about what would happen. Uh, would uh, people leave our church? Would uh, people get mad? What, what's going to go on? Would the sermon series be too long? Well, I've been amazed at what God has done during this sermon series. In fact, our church has grown through this sermon series, and I found out so far during this seri sermon series, 147 people have been baptized, and that doesn't even include what's going to be happening this weekend. There have been emails from people all across our region and from across the country who watch online who have been stepping into these areas. Many of you have received help and hope. Others of you have listened intently so that way you could offer help and hope to those that you love that are in a battle. I want to read an email that was passed on to me by one of our parents who uh, attend one of our different locations. And they received this email from the teacher of one of their kids. I'm gonna call him Jack. Although after service he came up to me and said, my name's Johnny, so I guess we can use Johnny. I have to tell you something funny. That's how the email begins. Two days ago I was doing my usual bouncing from kid to kid in the resource center, forming plans for what they are doing, what's missing, etc. It can be exhausting at times, especially with difficult kids. It is a large class after all. Johnny was sitting next to our para, and he said, she needs to go to my church and listen to the sermons on how to weed her garden. <laughs> she had to tell me later, and he said, you look stressed. You need to weed your garden. He went on to explain the sermon series a little bit more. I told him that he was so kind and that he was watching out for me, and he offered a great suggestion. I also told him it's just part of the job. I may look stressed, but I'm trying to work out quickly to make sure that everything gets started on something. So I also let him know that I thought it was great that he was listening and applying these things he heard from the sermon. I thought you might like to hear this too. He's a great kid. We're going to have a fun year. How cool is that email? Uh, as we're getting ready to start this series, there's a couple things, or this start, in, start this sermon. There's a couple things I want to do, and I was about ready to cut this going into this message, but then... Um, I had just a, a heartbreaking conversation with uh, a girl in the lobby who came up to me whose friend is um, going through a really dark time. And so I'm just, uh, I'm really glad that God kind of used that to kind of create space because I was about ready to cut all of this. When we started this sermon series, there were resources that we put together. And um, one of the resources is kind of like low end is our weeds in my garden. Uh, playlist on Spotify. And if you don't have Spotify, I apologize, but this is just where we figured it out. And the reason why I want you to have access to this is because there's going to be times where you need to kind of recenter yourself. There's going to be times where you're going to find yourself maybe a little overwhelmed, uh, a little stressed out, 
and you just kind of need to speak the name of Jesus over your situation and recenter yourself on the goodness of our God. And this playlist will help you do that. The second thing, and this uh, is, you may have uh, need to rewatch one of these sermons, or uh, maybe you want to catch up on one of the sermons, or God may put you in a position where you he- overhear somebody talking about something, and you're going, you know what? Um, I have something for you. You can catch all of these sermons on our website, or you can watch them on YouTube. But the thing that's the most important that we did during this sermon series is we created a resource page. Um, It has access to all the sermons. It also has uh, coaching from a psychologist on what you can do to provide help and hope, as well as resources that you can look at, questions you can ask, and then national and regional resources. This girl came up to me and she said, my friend is having deep, dark thoughts and I don't know what to do. And I said, go to this site and do what it says. And tears were just welling up in her eyes. And there may be a moment where you find yourself in a situation, you're going, I'm not a psychologist. I I don't know how to navigate this. This will tell you exactly what you should be doing on your end because you don't have to carry this and walk through this all on your own. When we started this sermon series, I talked to you about the chorus of a song that impacted me deeply. In fact, you just heard it sang at all of our different locations, but I want to walk you through it. I tell you that I'm whole, but I'm still healing. I tell you that I'm happy, but I'm grieving. Thought I was a fighter. I'm still in the fire. But if I'm being honest, I'm not being honest. I'll give you roses just hoping you don't see the weeds in my garden. If I'm being honest, I'm at my darkest. I'm sitting here waiting and praying for someone to show me what love is. I'm just being honest. I wonder how many of our spouses, kids, grandchildren, employees, coworkers, bosses find themselves relating to these words. I can't help but wonder how many of you In week one, we talked about it's okay to not be okay, that you can be messed up and still be part of this church. And then we talked about the three lies that Satan tries to tell you, that if the truth about you were found out, or when you find out that you're navigating weeds in your garden, that somehow your life loses its meaning, that if people knew everything about you, that they wouldn't accept you and that God wouldn't love you. And we dispelled those lies. And then uh, we did a deep dive into issues related to self-esteem, suicide, anxiety, stress, burnout, worry, and depression. And then we brought in Dr. Wes Beavis, who has treated pastors all across the country, as well as 10 to 15% of the staff here at The Crossing. And he gave us practical steps that we can take on mental health. We talked about the four buckets where mental health issues reside in. There's the spiritual bucket. You have an enemy who's trying to steal and kill and destroy. There's the biological bucket. Each of us were kind of made differently and uniquely, which means that there's going to be different and unique challenges that we are going to have to face. And we talked about the situational bucket. Sometimes you're just going to find yourself in tragic circumstances. And then there's the clinical budget or bucket where you're going to have to have help from other people to help you chart a path forward. However, from the very beginning of this sermon series, I've been looking forward to preaching this message. I called it Hope Weekend because I believe that there is so much hope for you, your family, your friends, and for your future. Is there anyone here at any of our locations 
watching online or inside that would be willing to be a little bit honest and admit that they have some weeds in their garden? Okay, I wouldn't, I, it'd have been bad if I came to preach this sermon to the wrong group of people. During our first service today, as people were walking into the auditorium, the, there was a greeter going, did you get your weed yet? And <laughs> I was thinking to myself, all across this region, people are gonna be going, yeah, at the crossing this weekend, they were passing out weed at the doors before you walked into the church. God protect us. <laughs> There might be some of you tempted to think that if you were more spiritual, you wouldn't have weeds in your garden. That maybe if you just prayed a little longer, read a little harder, you wouldn't have some of the weeds. However, just a simple look through the Bible shows us that even the super spiritual from time to time had to navigate the weeds in their garden. Just because you're spiritual doesn't mean you're exempt from weeds. If only I spent more time, I wouldn't have these problems. But just because you're listening to the shepherd's voice doesn't mean that there aren't wolves who will try to bite just because you've read the Bible and done what it says doesn't mean your life won't have storms. It just means that after the storm, you're still standing. Just because you're doing spiritual things doesn't mean that you are exempt from weeds. Maybe if I did more for God, maybe if I served more, sang louder, gave more, then I wouldn't have these weeds in my garden. But if you were to look through scripture, its chapters are dripping with stories of people who were spiritual and doing spiritual things that still had to navigate weeds in their garden. It was Jonah who preached a sermon and 120,000 people, the entire town repented and turned to God. I've preached a lot of sermons and never changed a city. In fact, I don't know anybody who's preached a sermon that's had greater effect than Jonah. And right after that sermon, he begged God to let him die. It was Moses who led the people out of captivity, descended the 10 plagues on the Egyptians, walked across the Dead Sea, who finds himself overwhelmed and distraught in Exodus 11 and said, I can't do this anymore. It just might mean that when you try to do things for God and walk with God, the more susceptible you might become to weeds because Satan will do anything he can to stop the work that God is trying to do through you and in you and on your behalf. Hear me. I came today to preach a sermon that when you find weeds in your garden, it is not a sign that you are not spiritual. It is not a sign that you are not significant. It is a sign that you are hu a human, living in a fallen world that Jesus came to die for, redeem, and prepare a heaven for. My sermon today is called, It's Not Over. It is not over. Just so I wouldn't forget it, I made a shirt that said it. 
This message is for all of you who have weeds in your garden. This sermon is a message for those of you with loved ones who have weeds in their garden. This message is for those of you in a troubling situation, coming to terms with a past trauma, navigating a devastating diagnosis, and those of you fighting for your life with a battle between your ears. The sermon's called, It's Not Over. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not over. Turn to your other neighbor, the one you like the least. Tell them it's not over. Say it, say it just a, a little bit louder so hell knows you're paying attention. It's not. Say it a little bit louder so God knows we're serious. It's not over. Let me tell you why it's not over. I may have weeds in my garden, weeds that have been in my life my whole life, and weeds that just sprung up, weeds that I've picked before, and weeds I can't remove, weeds I thought were behind me, and weeds that keep showing up. I may have weeds in my garden, but my promise is I have a good gardener. And if you have a good gardener, it's not over. We serve a God who can turn things around. We serve a God who's caring enough to notice the little things and strong enough to handle the big ones and wise enough know how to repurpose and redeem our pain. I came to preach a very simple message to you today. I may have weeds in my garden, but I have a good gardener. And if I have a good gardener, 2 Corinthians says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Notice, God cares and God comforts. He feels it with you and he is moved to action on your behalf then he does something that only God can do. He takes our troubles and he turns them into bridges, into the pain of other people's lives. The sermon is simple. I may have weeds in my garden, but I have a good gardener. And because I have a good gardener, it's not over. You might be tempted to think that because of what you've been through, that God could never use you. But little did you know that your pain was preparing you. Like I said, it's not over. Your troubles just might be the intro to your testimony because it's not over. Your struggle is just the beginning of your story because it's not over. Your pain just might be building your platform. Your hurt just might be what God starts using to bring healing into somebody else's life. Your trauma just might be your ticket to speak to someone's life. Your diagnosis just might be the open door that God is using to change somebody's destiny. Your oppression just might be your opportunity to show that God God is still good. Crossing church, you may have weeds in your garden, but you have a good gardener. And because he's your gardener, it's not over. 2 Corinthians, Paul writes, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, 
We felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Notice this. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Do you notice what they're saying? They're saying, God's pulled weeds in my past, and he'll pull weeds again. He'll remove things in my past, and he'll remove them again. But he'll also, if he doesn't remove it, he'll redeem it. Paul is trying to tell you and me and everybody who will read that passage of Scripture, you may have weeds in your garden, but take hope. You have a good gardener. God can redeem the pain of weeds in our garden to move us from dependence on ourselves to dependence on him. For he is our rock, our shelter, our great defender and redeemer. The power that he has in your life and over your story to bring purpose out of your pain is the same power that he used to raise Jesus from the grave. And Romans tells us this, that that same spirit that has that same power lives in you. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not over. Hear me when I say this, if Jesus can handle your sin, if he can resurrect you, make you new, handle your eternity, prepare a place for you, and write your name in the Lamb's book of life, is there anything that he can't do? You may have weeds in your garden, but you have a good gardener, and because you have a good gardener, it's not over. I could tell you the story of Elijah, who went and overcame the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, and he demonstrated the goodness and power and sufficiency of God. And as soon as he was done doing a great thing for God, all he wanted to do was die. However, God reminded him that God wasn't done and that he wasn't alone. And so he sent Elijah to raise up Elisha. And Elisha prayed a simple prayer. Give me a double portion of Elijah. And Elisha went on to do two times the ministry of Elijah. In other words, you may have weeds in your garden, but you have a good gardener. And because you have a good gardener, it's not over. Elisha went on to bring a woman's son back to life. He brought a man who had been buried a long time back from the dead. He cleansed the water that was making a community sick and impacting their crop production. He stepped in and kept a woman from losing her two sons to slavery to pay for unpaid debts. He went on to feed over 100 men who were hungry with only a little bit of bread, and he cured Naaman from leprosy. There's a man named Naaman who was cured of leprosy by a guy that was raised up by a dude who wanted to quit. In other words, it's not over. God can still redeem and repurpose your pain. The story I wanted to tell you when I preached the sermon on suicide, I held off to this very moment because this just might be my new favorite story in Scripture. Pay attention. Paul and Silas went to a town called Philippi. When they arrived in the town, they were looking for a place to pray. They didn't find to pray. They didn't find one, so they, they went to another spot down by the river, and they met a woman named Lydia. She was a worshiper of God but not a follower of Jesus. God opened up her heart while they were speaking to her, and she and all of the members of her house were baptized, and she invited them to come and stay with her in her house. 
a little bit after that, as Paul and Silas were going to a place to pray, they were met by a slave girl who had a spirit that gave her the ability to tell the future. She earned a great deal of money for her masters by fortune-telling. She was following Paul and Silas, and she was proclaiming out loud, These are men of God who are telling you the way to be saved. But Paul, in the name of Jesus Christ, commanded the spirit to come out of her. Her owners, realizing that their ability to make profits in the future had been compromised, immediately seized Paul and Silas, dragged them in front of the authorities. They were misrepresented, stripped, beaten with rods. After being severely beaten, they were placed in the inner cell of the jail, and their feet were fastened in stalks. This allowed them to keep Paul and Silas in a painful position, resulting in stretching and cramping muscles. But at midnight, in that inner jail cell, while their legs were stretched apart, Paul and Silas were found praying and singing to God. In the midst of a weedy situation, they were proclaiming that God is a good gardener. And in that moment, an earthquake hit the jail, and the doors flew open, and the shackles came loose off their feet. And let's pick up the story in Acts 16. The jailer woke up. And when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds, and then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household if you don't believe my sermon yet, you better believe it now. Because God took a man who was on the brink of suicide and turned him into a spiritual leader in his home. He took a man who was about to end his life and gave him eternal life. And that man, along with that woman, became the founders of a church in Philippi. And years later, Paul writes to this church founded by a woman and a suicidal man. We call that book Philippians. And it is from the words in Philippians that for centuries, Christians worldwide have found a source of strength. For it's in this book in Philippians that Paul writes these words, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to carry it on to completion. In other words, Paul writes to them, you may have weeds in your garden, but you have a good gardener. And when you have a good gardener, it's not over. Paul goes on to tell them that God is repurposing his pain for God's glory. He says this to this church, founded by a woman and a suicidal jailer. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, what has happened to me the weeds that have been put in my life have actually served to advance the gospel. 
As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, because of my weeds, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare to proclaim the gospel without fear. In other words, Paul's saying, God's using my weedy situation to inspire other people to proclaim the goodness of God. Paul writes to this church and says, you may have weeds in your garden, but we have a good gardener. And because we have a good gardener, it's not over. He's saying there's hope. Paul writes to this very church in chapter 3, but whatever were my gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord and Savior, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, a righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead, not that I have already obtained all this or already arrived at my goal. Hear this. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Paul keeps writing, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He's saying, even though you have weeds in your garden, press on. Because you have a good gardener. Press on. Keep walking. Hold on. And the one you're holding on to is good. He can either remove the weed or redeem the weed. But don't let go. Press on. On. He writes to this church in Philippians chapter 3, the, the church that was founded by a woman and a suicidal jailer. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like his glorious body. He's saying, our citizenship is in heaven. No matter how many weeds are in your garden, your position in Christ is steadfast. It's strong. Satan can't touch it. You can't lose it. He has a hold on you. Philippians chapter four, he says this, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. No matter how many weeds are in my garden, I have a good gardener because I can do all of this through Christ who gives me strength. He says this for those of you who are doubting that God can handle your weeds. He says this in Philippians 4, 19. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs through his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. No matter how many weeds you have, God has given you everything you need to stand. Everything you need to keep going are yours and they have been purchased in Christ. 
In Philippians chapter 2, he writes to this church, you wouldn't have this letter if it wasn't for a suicidal jailer who got saved. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It is here in these pages of scripture that we realize that God is using us and using the weeds for his glory and for his purpose. He says to this church, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. You know I love you. Some of you, because of the weeds in your garden, you've been grumbling and arguing. He's saying, don't grumble, don't argue, so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Here's why. Then you will shine among them like stars in the night sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. No matter how dark it gets, no matter how long the night, it is you standing firm, clinging to your good gardener while you navigate the weeds in your garden that will give the people around you hope. It will give them something to fix their eyes on. There is a star shining in the night, and that star is lit up by Christ himself. It is perhaps why Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. Paul's saying, I got weeds. Some of you, you're listening to me and you're in a, a period of weakness. You're navigating insults. You find yourself in the midst of hardships. You're going through persecutions. You're in difficult situations. But Paul is clinging to the truth of the gardener. For when I am weak, then I am, say it with me. Maybe instead of asking God to remove our weeds, we would humbly pray that God would redeem them for his glory and for his purpose. I came to just tell you one thing. Crossing family, you may have weeds in your garden, but you have a good gardener. And if you have a good gardener, it's not over. We're moving to a time of decision. This is a special moment for me because I'm getting the opportunity to speak to all of you at all of our different locations. I wanted this moment with all of you because I know that 
There are many of you who right now, your garden has no gardener. And the weeds in your garden are going to choke out all the fruit and growth in your life. It will steal from your future, your family, and your purpose. The reason I'm calling this Hope Weekend is because there's hope. And that hope has a name, and it is the name of Jesus. There has never been anyone like him. He knows you. He created you. He put you together on purpose and for a purpose, and he died on your behalf. And there is no sinner that he can't save. And you might be thinking right now, but Clayton, uh, not me. I'm too messed up. And I just need you to know, I've been a part of this church long enough to know that there is somebody sitting in your row who could testify all day to the goodness of our God. You might be going, but I don't have it all figured out. Oh, that's why I love the story of the Philippian jailer. How many times had he been to church? How many sermons had he heard? How many worship songs had he sang? You're so far ahead of him right now, in this moment. He hadn't attended any Bible studies. He hadn't read his Bible. He hadn't offered any prayers. He was just on the brink. He was just done. He was at the end of his rope. And he learned that ropes don't save. Jesus does. You can hold on to a rope. You can hold on to yourself. You can hold on to your job. You can hold on to your political party. But the only thing that'll never let you down, the only thing that can save, the only thing that can restore, the only thing that can redeem is Jesus. And there's hope in that. And there's hope for you. Hear me? To those of you listening to my voice right now, if you have weeds in your garden, don't you dare give up and don't you dare let up. It's not over. God has a purpose for your life. He can still use you. Your weaknesses are simply an invitation for the power of God to show off in your life. In the midst of your weedy garden, God's still good. In the midst of all of the weeds, he's still got you. In the midst of all of your weeds, Satan can't take anything from you because your citizenship is in heaven. Oh, you may have weeds in your garden, but you have a good gardener. And when you have a good gardener, it's never over. And so if you've never started an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ, in just a few moments, the people around you are gonna stand and worship and there's gonna be people off to the sides of the stage, more than likely over by where the baptistry is and they would love a chance to talk with you about how to start that relationship with Jesus Christ. To the rest of you, specifically those of you who call the crossing home, my prayer ever since I wrote this message was that we as a church would be so close to the plans and purposes of God that we would have the testimony of Paul and Silas. 
that while they suffered, they still praised God. While all the weeds that were in their life that they wished were gone, in the midst of a weedy situation, they still gave God praise. And that while they were praising God, everybody else took notice. Because Paul said, we are all here. It wasn't just Paul and Silas that stayed. Everybody else took notice. That when the doors came off their hinges and the shackles came off their feet, they knew it wasn't so that they could get out, but so that the jailer could get in. What if we would stop asking God to remove all of the weeds in our garden, but ask God to let people find him through our weeds? You know this. It's dark out there. It's dark to those of you in 48. It's dark in the communities of Macomb, Kirksville, and down at 929. It's, it's dark in Pike County, and it's dark in Hannibal. It's dark in Lima and Mount Sterling and Keokuk. It's dark in Monmouth. It's dark in Jacksonville. And we could grumble and complain about the weeds in our garden, or we could choose to shine like stars in the night sky and proclaim that God is still good. We have weeds in our garden, but we have a good gardener. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. All of you, when you came in, you, you received some weeds, and I, I know some of you are like, these aren't weeds. And I'm not a horticulturalist, or I don't even know how to say that word, but. Hey, when you have a church, you bring your own weeds, okay? This is what we got. And there's a spot on there for you to write some stuff down. We've got pens up at the front at all of our locations. I want you to write down your weed. What's the thing in your garden? I want you to come up here and I just want you to plant it and say, God, this belongs to you. Selfishly, God, I, I want you to remove it. But if you're not gonna remove it, please redeem it. Put your hand so far into the situation that other people are brought to you because of it. God, this weed isn't mine, it's yours. And then plant it in his garden. And then while you're down here, would you, would you pick up one of the stickers we have I want you to take it with you. I want you to put it somewhere in your house, somewhere in your car, somewhere on your Bible, somewhere where when you see it, you'll remember. Because Satan's going to attack you. He's good at showing off all the weeds and all the areas where things aren't going the way we want them to go. But I don't ever want you to lose sight of just one thing. You may have weeds in your garden, but we have the hope of a good gardener. And because we have a good gardener, well, you know the answer. It's not over. Would you stand with me? Heavenly Father, be glorified in this moment. Do a work that only you can do in a way that only you can do it. Bring about a change in our hearts and in our lives. God, our weeds belong to you because we belong to you. So, Father, in every single one of the rooms where this prayer is being carried all across this region, I'm asking you to move among us. 
In your name I pray, amen.